Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? It's me, Tom Davis, host of the No Bad Dog Podcast. Yeah, boy. How are you guys doing? Hope you're well. Uh, so this is a, a good podcast on how to develop a dog with confidence issues. This is a dog that was literally scooped up off the streets of, I think, Dubai uh, at a very early age, a couple days old, and then lived in a shelter for a year. So obviously, genetically, we have some fearful issues. We have some very genetically prone uh, reactivity issues, stranger danger issues, trust issues. So this is a good podcast on developing not only how to create the confidence with your dog, but kind of walking these guys through what is realistic, what is fair, reinforcing, yep, you're doing this right. Um, These are the things you want to watch out for. These are the things that are realistic and that you should be working on that your dog should be able to do. So it's just a great podcast kind of helping these guys out going through fearful reactivity um, being able to blend in their life, you know, having people over, having colleagues over, going out into public, what's appropriate, what's not. And so, yeah, it's 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 really kind of fine-tuned towards proper handling and talking the owners what they through what they should and shouldn't do. And guess what? We have our very own No Bad Dogs Coffee. Holy crap, things are getting crazy. That's right. So I live in, a, in an area with one of my favorite coffee com- companies called Crew Coffee. Um, it's just great. Everything about th- everything there is great. The food, the vibe, the people, and of course, the coffee. Um, so when they first started their first company many moons ago, I was starting my dog training company and doing my YouTube stuff and doing my production stuff and just editing. Um, so I was in my early, early, early 20s. Um, so 10 years, 10 plus years now. And... I would just remember sitting at their counter just hacking away because I didn't have Wi-Fi because I couldn't afford it or I was not living in a place that even had power. Um, yeah, I was a little nomad growing up in, in the beginning of my my career and um, things were rough. And so I was dog walking and training and, and trying to make ends meet and try to keep, keep gas in my car to make it to the next move. So but I, I would go to crew and buy my $2.50 coffee and sit there pretty much all day and uh, use their Wi-Fi to edit and to work. And um, so, you know, these small coffee shops have always been a big part of my my life. And, and I think other people's too, you know, you go out to that coffee shop, but it doesn't matter if you can afford it or you can't because I still go there every day and I can afford coffee now. So uh, I think just going there and sitting down and like having a good project, I mean, there's nothing better to me than just going there, putting on your headphones and cracking down. And so, you know, they approached me and they said, Hey, I want to do a no bad dogs coffee blend with you. You know, we've, we've, we've support what you do for so long and, you know, we'd really like to give back and so on and so forth. So, um, amazing mutual uh, respect for one another's crafts. And uh, again, they're a local coffee shop here. And so we went in, Taylor and I went in and we sipped and we slurped and we scooped and we spit and we, you know, we didn't just slap beans in a, in a bag and say, oh, this is the Nomad Dogs blend. 
we went through, I think, nine different blends of their origins. So like Ethiopian, Colombian, all these different blends of what they taste like, what they're washed with. I mean, we learned so much about coffee, something I've been drinking pretty much every day. And my wife, we just enjoy coffee. And um, so it was really fun. So we kind of, we went down the road of this is what I like. It's a bold, but has this acidity. I really like those acidic Ethiopians kind of soury blends. And then, but I know not everybody does. So we, we went with like a mutual Colombian, which is bold and medium. And so it's like a really good blend. And, um, uh, some of the proceeds are going to go back to uh, dog organizations. We're going to try to do that every quarter. So it's an amazing and, – and the they, they designed the bag. Thompson's on the bag. It's it's just our stories on the back. It's a great novelty. It's a big No Bad Dogs logo. You guys check it out on my Instagram. The link is in the description below to buy. <clears throat> you can get it. Um, you know, right around the holidays. And it's always going to be a good gift for that coffee lover, that dog lover. It has dogs on it. It has no bad dogs on it. It's great. It tells our story on the back. The link is in the description below. When you guys go and cash out, you can pick what grind you want. So they will actually grind it for you and send it to you. Or you can just get whole bean, which is what a lot of people do. But if you want like a specific grind, just go on the internet and look up like what grind is for a coffee maker or what size grind is for a French press or an aero press. And then you just click whatever you want. They'll grind it and they ship worldwide. So if you're listening in Australia or UK or Canada or anywhere in the United States, make sure you guys not only just support us, but give back to to dog organizations and drink a good cup of coffee doing it. So what it's in my cup every day. And um, yeah, and make sure you guys listen to the end. We're going to be answering three of your dog training questions. If you want me to answer your dog training questions specifically, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and your question review. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, it would mean the world to me if you guys can just leave a review to support the podcast. We spend hours on this every week and we do it absolutely for free just to help you guys out at home. So make sure you listen to the end. Let's get into the podcast. So here's the challenge that, that I have. Um, I have had dogs all my life. Um, my dad was uh, was breeding. I don't know how to. Uh, I'm Austrian. Um, it was breeding German Jagd Terrier. I don't know if you translate them into hunting terriers. Um, we had a German Shepherd as a kid as well. Um, when we were kids as well. My uh, and then I had a cocker spaniel for like uh, the best part of it was actually my ex girlfriend's dog, so it was with us for like 10 years where we were together. And you know, he made it all to seven and a half, obviously, super easy dog. Um, I then moved to Dubai and um, and started. I didn't do anything with dogs for like 10 years because I felt like Dubai is not the place for dogs. But then I got involved with a local shelter and started fostering dogs um, just to help them like two, three weeks at a time, just socializing dogs and stuff. And I really enjoyed that. Just got me back into you know the law for dogs and everything else. And then we were traveling quite a fair bit and then started fostering again and picked up the last dog that we had you know, before we left for the summer. Um, and... And then he was a little bit of a troubled dog already. We already knew that. And we already knew that he wasn't going to find anyone. Um, um, but we, you know, he, he kind of fit really nice into our family. He's like this. Um, he's like, he's over there. I can show him to just real quick if I pull that out here. Just one second. Just like down there. It's like, it's um, a... Um, like a desert mix of, you know, they have like Salukis running around. They have, um, there's some definitely some German Shepherd in there, maybe a little bit of Husky, whatever. It's like, uh, of like a million different dogs. Um, 
He his story is that he had he's 18 months old now. Um, he got picked up with a whole litter when he was like two days or three days old. Uh, was then in the shelter for three months. Got adopted out for about two months, but then the family brought him back because he said they felt like they couldn't uh, handle him. Um, and then he was back at the shelter for like a year almost. Um, and the shelters here are, are in industrial areas. It's literally just like they are in the, they do whatever they can. It's a volunteer uh, uh, volunteer based organization. They do whatever they can um, to keep the dogs, you know, entertained and socialized and everything else. But it's just very limited what they can can do. They don't have a green area to you know let people roam, uh, like let the dogs roam around. Anything else? They have like a very they're very confined. And well, you'd have about 120 dogs there. It was the last one that we picked up for Foster earlier this year in April. Um, he was good back then. Um, he had some nipping still they was doing because then no one ever you know did anything with him so like there he had literally zero work done with him um so his main thing was like it's really it's just and not, not annoying you know to people but like you know it's, he would just nip whenever yeah. he was like excited or anything else um but it was very easy to train in itself food motivated you know works with kibbles doesn't need anything else um and then we adopted him so we came we then traveled you know for the summer and then we came back he was still at the shelter so we picked him up again for another foster and then just decided to listen he's gonna stay there you know forever um but we happy to give him you know a, a shot and then fostered him for four weeks already had more challenges with him um and he's still been with us for like three months we adopted him about two months ago um and and he, but yeah, I'm I'm a little bit out of breath now with, with him. Um, so he's just from from the nipping and everything else. We got that out of out of his. He had some separation anxiety at the beginning, which is really a drama. Um, but we got that out of him. Um, no issue. Um, I did work a lot after um, what's the guy called in the UK that you work with as well, Fenrir. Um, Will. Will I think? Yeah. 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 So you know. It, Watched his course, did a lot of work, you know, that, that he's, you know, recommended to so follow that. Got him crate trained. Um, he sleeps in a crate, no issue. Um, he now is also happy to stay in the crate when we are gone. Um, you know, there's no whining anymore. Um, we got him into daycare. Um, he was initially a little bit, you know, anxious there. Um, had, you know, some minor nipping incidents, you know, with, with, other, with another dog. But he's now super happy there. You know, we had him for boarding there for four days. Um, no issues there either. So he's super happy and comfortable. He's very anxious around strangers. Um, not as long as they don't try to interact with him. No, no issues. We we, are, we live in an apartment, 41st floor. Um, no issue with going down in the lift. You know, with 10 people in there, with construction workers, absolutely no issue. As long as they don't try to touch him. As soon as they try to touch him, he gets growly. And he would also snap. Um, and, you know, we, we, we managed to control it at the beginning. So we had, like, it was the very first, you know, scare that we had. Where we just didn't know, right? You know, at the beginning, you know, you just try to figure out, like, you know, what, what, what what's going on, you know, with him. Um, and, and, and that, you know, stranger um, issue, right? You know, that has become a little bit, you know, more challenging, and and you know, especially at home as well. When strangers, when we have strangers over, and we had, uh, let me just go to my notes. We had two incidents. We have a mate that comes over every, you know, week twice, 
we tried, you know, introducing her, like, you know, did the whole, you know, feeding him and everything else. And he gets always uncomfortable around that. So we, you know, it, we, we weren't as strict at the beginning, um, but we felt it was okay around her. It was, there was a little bit of growly, but then he would, you know, it would be okay. We, you know, he, he listens to his place commands and everything else. That's fine. And then we had one incident where he was in the room. Um, literally, I was sitting here. He was there on his place. And then she came and he has got his like toys, you know, you know, over over there and in, in like the, the 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 box and he just sometimes takes it out and just spreads it across the whole room. And she would then go down and she he was on her knees and then um you know just picking up stuff and he just from where he was launched at her and, and, and went straight at her. Um um luckily nothing, you know there was no some some scratches and everything else. Um it was a really weird thing that happened before. You know, she was in the kitchen, um, and or she was out there, and and we found it. You know, in hindsight, it was really you know stupid, but it was just really weird to see. Like she was standing there, and he was behind her, like behind her butt, and was just like he wasn't touching her, but was just doing like some fake nipping on her butt, which in hindsight was clearly no no a sign that we should have you know picked up on. Um, but yeah, that, that was fine. So now we are you know super. We have like baby gates everywhere. You know, we could just keep whenever the maid is around, we keep him in the crate or you know, make sure that, you know, he's, you know, separated. Um, but then we had another incident. My friend, my wife's a chef as well. You know, she had another chef over to help her pre prepare for an event. Um, he gets growly, um, you know, behind, you know, behind like the, the barrier as well. When, you know, when, when he's around, sometimes what, what helps is then we just go out from the back and just come in from the front. That just like, you know, it's not someone introducing into, uh, into going to the, his area. And we did that, you know, that day as well. No issues, was all, everything okay. And then, you know, we came home and they had actually left. So it was six minutes and it was outside of the apartment. So in the lift area, um, there was no barking, no growling, no anything else. He, the, the guy, the same guy turned around and, you know, leaned down to, um, 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 to grab something. And, you know, just without growling, without uh, snapped at his butt. Um, so... Again, there was no like no warning. It was just completely out of out of the blue, which which again now now this becomes scary because um, normally it was always like hey, we're quite comfortable, you know, outside, you know, with people. There was no issue or anything else, unless people you know weren't touching him, and that's sometimes you you still get to that level where someone just walks up to him and just tries to pet him because he looks quite cute. Um, and you know but we, we can control that environment but that came just all out of nowhere that he went from like just sitting there to like just you know just going at his um nipping at his butt so that, that was one thing and then dogs in itself we're, we're good with like i would say nine out of ten dogs um i made the mistake to i felt it was comfortable enough uh you know with dogs you know as well also with, with daycare and everything else so we you know she we have like a small we're very restrictive in the areas that we can go to there's no like you know massive green areas and everything else so this is two small dog parks we left him uh, initially outside and then you know slowly moved our way in there's a few dogs that he played really, very nice he was initially always just on the side and just didn't interact with anyone then when it was only one or two dogs around he would play with them play with them Nicely, he likes being chased and everything else. There was one, you know, retriever uh, that he didn't like because it was just much bigger. And every time when he came, he, you know, would he would try to escape. And he it was a younger one. They just and and he, he would just 
if it couldn't escape, would start growling at him, and then you know would would just tell him off, right? And and then, but that you know, it went from like this to over three days, uh, to like him being completely comfortable and then then play wrestling and everything else, and they were you know fine, even the same dog. And then we had them in daycare for a week, came back, and again my mistake, I just you know you live and learn, uh, came back and then apparently didn't remember each other, and then we had the same incident that just went into like you know dog fight. So. Um, so yeah, the, 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 I have a, you know, someone come over tomorrow, you know, that's going to help us work, um, you know, just trying to get an additional perspective. It's really difficult to find people to work with here, um, that have a little bit of broader, you know, perspective on all of this, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really at the, at the stage where it's, it's, it's quite decisive in terms of like, what do you do from here? Right. You know, cause you want to set yourself up you know, for, for success. And the question is like, you know, do we have a fighting chance to, you know, get this to where it becomes manageable or is it just a situation that we now have to manage, you know, with him as a dog. And, and I've watched like a trailing of your videos, you know, most a part of your, you know, no bet the dogs club and everything else, watch some stuff there, but it's obviously, it's always a lot to watch, to go through. So, so this, so I just thought, you know, to reach out, um, you know, to talk to you about that. So that, that's it. Uh, the whole story. Great. So what is your, uh, other than building confidence and yeah. the ability to predict the future of what your dog's going to do, what is your main goal? I mean, what do, you, what do you, what would you say that you're struggling with the most? It was having, finding a structure, right? Um, you know, for, for me moving forward and just, you know, building confidence, obviously that's, you know, seems a, uh, and it's a generic concept, right? But you know, how do I do this? You know, from 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 here, we work on basic obedience. We do all the drills about like you know going on a lift, you know the threshold manners and all of that. You know, all the time he's super good on the leash, but it's just really like I felt like we were on a really good track. And I know I'm just you know you start doubting yep. yourself because you know, had like those those incidents. Yeah. And 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 I have also have like my wife who's a little bit of. She, she doesn't have any experience and she doesn't have enough um, appreciation, you know, yet. Um, you know, when she goes to a restaurant, you know, and she sits there somewhere with a dog and we had that. But we, someone just walked up and, you know, she told, we had like one incident, she told, can I touch your dog? And my wife said, no, uh, please don't. And then this person just ignored it and still went in for it. And and then it just went into a growl. Lunch. And, and there's a, there are those situations, right, where you kind of know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but I felt like that I have been doing that, but now it's just a point of like, okay, where do I go from here to ensure that I, that I set him up for success as much as I can, um, you know, whilst controlling the situation and, you know, making sure that, you know, everyone stays safe along, along the way. Yeah. It, it, cause it sounds to me like when you, when you have a fearful dog and a, and a dog that is probably genetically wired to be, very uh, fearful because of the genetics of the dog. So just being born on the streets, you know, where mom and dad went or where they're from, same thing. That's kind of like what we deal with with in society too. You're kind of, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, you're born into this. This is probably how you're going to be unless there's a change, unless there's a break in the system. And so you get, you know, generation after generation, generation, of these genetics not being socialized, living on the streets, kind of being feral and 
And then once a dog is is born like that, there that's the immediate biggest hurdle I think that you're you're going against is just the idea of the dog being born with it. You know, it's not like oh we got this dog from a rescue or a breeder down the road at eight weeks and he was fine and he was socialized with people and he was outside with kids. And it's like, you know, this dog was born from what you said, a couple of days old, picked up on the streets, moved then into a shelter and then a fostered and then adopted out. So there's that, that. Yeah. And spent 12 months in the shelter. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so there's this, you know, whole, bring up i mean it's real i mean your 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 foundation of how you were raised especially for animals has a lot to do with how they become right just like with people Mm. it's it it, it's not every time but there's certain i mean there has been dogs that i've seen that have been kicked and shot and stabbed and beat and they're just the happiest dogs in the world you know so there is some outliers but Genetically speaking, again, you, you know, you, you're kind of going against the grain there. But so my, my point is, is if you have a dog that is just fearful and insecure of new things because of all of the things we just talked about, that's not surprising. It's not, um, you know, I think at the biggest, the biggest thing for you guys is it's inconvenient, you know, because it's like everything that you've said so far to me anyway, seems somewhat predictable, which is good because the hardest cases from a professional standpoint of whatever the heck you want to call me, behaviorist, trainer, whatever, is the unpredictability. Those are like the cases where it's, it's really difficult to or I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I'd say it is really difficult to to become successful or it's more difficult to become successful. So just keep that in mind that when you're working with him moving forward, you know, think about the things that have happened with the maid and the other dog and the people outside and stuff. I mean, these are all things that if we were to make a better decision or make a different decision, then these things never would have happened. So if yeah. if a dog's behavior, whether it's good or bad, is entirely predicated off of a human's decision-making and a human's um, kind of box that they put the dog in, then that that says that there's also an opportunity for growth. Hey, I put you here, I can take you out in a good way. So that's that. I mean, again, from a behavioral standpoint, you know, with, with everything that had happened. So again, I think moving forward, you guys just have to uh, play play a little bit different role and how you're communicating with this with this dog and, and the rules and regulations and freedom this dog has. You know, for an, for an example, like, because some people are, are kind of mixed and they're, they're in between, should I get this dog to be comfortable with the said maid or the strangers on the street? Mm. And, and what I'm saying is, is I, I just don't think it's, it's worth it because this dog at its core is always going to have this really big suspicion. And so if you can remove the dog from the situation and be a hundred percent successful for the rest of this dog's, you know, adult life, then that would be a smarter, more realistic, more fair 
decision on your end instead of saying, well, because again, the alternative would be, well, I want this dog to become better with these situations. And he could, but two things, the likelihood of him doing that is low because again, his genetics, it's not like we went from jumping in people's laps and being a therapy dog to being suspicious of new people. We went from living on the streets and being feral to not really trusting people. And the other thing that I will say under the circumstances that you've told me is it's very common to be making these dogs to be making these decisions that you're talking about as far as these movements. So two things, and I'm just going to keep unpacking here. Two things is when you said your wife's friend or your wife's colleague or whatever leaned down or reached down to grab something and your dog was like, nope, I'm not okay with that. That is totally normal for an insecure, suspicious, fearful dog. It's I'm okay with you standing up. I'm okay with you being here. But the moment you lean down and you shrink yourself from a six foot human to a three foot human scares the shit out of me. And so for us, it's like, oh, he just, he or she just bent down. But for the dog, they just, (laughs) you know, we did a completely new thing. So that scared the dog. So the picture changes is typically and historically a trigger for fearful dogs. So you'll get, say some, say you have a couple of friends come over, they're all sitting down on the couch, your dog's cool with that. And then one, one person gets up, boom, the dog explodes. And then the dog owner's confused. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, it, because you take it personal of like, you were fine with him before you were fine with him this whole time. But understanding that dogs don't, they read pictures. They don't read, um, like this fluidity that we would. It's like, oh, I'm cool with you, so I don't care if you're in my kitchen, my bathroom, or my living room. Dogs are like, I'm I'm okay with this picture. It's kind of like the Secret Service or like a security guard, if you will. Think about that. That's exactly what it's like is the dog is trying to secure the space and make sure that we're good and nobody's making any quick movements, you know, those sorts of things. And so when they're reading the picture of like just sitting down and then all of a sudden we make a quick move, the dog's like, nope. Alert, alert, alert. That's what's happening there. Same thing with the maid. She gets down on her hands and knees to get something under the couch, and then she springs up all of a sudden or whatever it is. That picture change is is what the dog is reacting to. And again, you have to also take into consideration the dog's uh, execution on what he's doing. So he's nipping the butt, he's going behind, he's he's growling, he's lunging, but he's not ripping anybody apart. All of those things are a, a decision to make. So the dog's like, hey, I'm not, I don't want to kill you, frankly, because I don't have enough confidence to try to actually assertively hurt you. Uh, but at the same time, it's a very clear sign of, I mean, I just don't know what to do. You're scaring me and I'm not sure what to do. So that's that. So there's a lot of, again, like as a whole, you have a fearful street dog that has had an up and down little orphan Annie lifestyle. And now this dog is living in your house. And for me personally, I would just be a little bit more on top of the freedom this dog has around these people. And I think your life will be a lot easier and that sh- that's going to just be a more realistic, safe route than to try to get these people to be okay with your dog just because, again, they're not they're there to clean or they're there to cook or they're there to see you as a friend. And so you can't expect them to make all the right decisions either because we, 
we see that a lot in my training program. People come in and they're, excuse me, so amazed by how I just took the leash and walked away and my, my, my training staff does it and it's like this whole breath of fresh air, like, wow. And I'm like, you know, really nothing changed with your dog. It's the way that we handle dogs and the way that we present ourselves around dogs is what makes the dog successful because that's what we do. But if we came over for your to your house for a cappuccino or a coffee and we're not there to train this dog and make this dog feel comfortable, we're there to hang out and catch up with you. Mm-hmm. And so we may get up to go to the restroom really quick or we may lean down because we dropped our scarf or, and then that's where the picture change happens. So does that make sense so far? Yeah, it, it is. And I think that it, it just comes back to the one question I noticed for myself, like, you know, is that, like, you know, do we have a fighting chance of influencing the dog and building the confidence to be more happy, more confident, you know, around strangers in, in general? Or is that a situation that we just need to manage? Both. In the, in the way that you, you just said. Yeah. Both. I think both. Because... Yeah. Um, so your both. So your obedience is going to obviously play the biggest role in what you're doing. I can't stress the obedience factor enough when you're de- it doesn't listen, it doesn't matter what type of dog you have. I mean, you have yeah. a 6 months old, 6 month old puppy that you just spent $3,000 on and it's the most kindest, happiest, but outrageously acting puppy ever. They just want to kiss everyone's face to no no end. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you have a man-eater that has a bite history. Your obedience is your communication. And you are the middle man in between this dog and everyone else. And so if you can't look at that dog and say, I need you to go to this bed and lay down right here until I tell you otherwise... It doesn't matter what end of the spectrum your dog is on. You are not going to be successful by adding in different distractions or realistic environments if your dog doesn't have this. So that's the first thing is I think you can have both. Like let's say again like the maid, you putting putting this dog into a place and downstay, I mean may not be the best option just because the maid's going to be doing her job. She's going to be moving around. Yeah. She's going to be moving pillows. She's going to be flipping stuff. The vacuum's going to come out. So that's a situation where, like, hey, buddy, you're going to go in the other room, go into a crate. And that's how that that's how this is going to go. Because I because there's too many moving parts that she needs to do her job, and I don't want you to be nervous. So you're just going to go into the crate. And that's it. And that's just a more fair thing. So there's the management, right? So that but that's not. I don't want you to look that as uh, enabling or kind of taking a shortcut. That's just saying like, this person is going to come in here and do everything that this dog is going to hate. And I'm not going to set either of them up for that. I'm just going to move this dog into the crate and that's how this is going to go. But again, like your, your obedience has to be good enough that if you did say, go to your bed, like, like I just saw him on the bed there. Like if you had that really solid place downstay, you could tell the maid, Hey, I do whatever you want. Just, just don't touch the dog. Don't go, you know, don't step over the dog. Just do your thing over there. You're good. Or your wife had a chef over to help prep. I mean, those are situations that you can control because they're not going to come over there and pet the dog. You just say, oh yeah, my dog's over there. Just ignore him. He's fearful. Boom. So again, like you're the, it doesn't matter who's in your house, but if they reach down the, dr- drop a 
you know, carrot that they dropped on the ground and your dog goes, nope, that's not okay. Your obedience will keep the dog there. So there is management. So you, so the answer is you're not, you could, this is what I want you to think about is you could get the dog more confident around these new people. Yes. Like you can desensitize things to say, oh, these are, we're good. These, these are good things. But the hardest thing that I have found with my clients and even just the the people in general is it takes two to tango because you need to have a, you need to have those people in your environment to control. And these people need to be good candidates to help you with this. And so those are, those are things that sometimes we can't control. So here's, let me just paint you a perfect picture. Let's say you have, again, you, let's say your, your, your wife is uh, prepping for a big event and two of her chef friends are coming over to help. And what I would do is say, hey, you know, our obedience is okay. It's not completely off leash. Like I'll stay here no matter what. I would put a put the dog on a leash because that immediately sets the dog up for more success. You know, so I put the dog on a leash. I walk over to the bed and I say, hey, buddy, go to your place. The dog goes to the place. I say down. I say stay. And then I, I hang out there and I pay the dog with my kibble. Good stay. Just doing all that basic uh, positive reinforcement. And I say, okay, break. And then I break the dog and then I have the dog kind of walk around. Now, the dog is still on the leash because the thing is, is you can't control and nor do you want to control what your wife's colleagues are doing. Hey guys, don't, Hey, you can be here, but don't lean down. Uh, don't reach for the sink too fast. Don't do, you know, all these different things that is, is you, that's, do you see what I'm saying? So management isn't, isn't a failure. It's just something that you're going to have to take into consideration. Like for an example, I can give you an exact example um, that I have to deal with all the time with my dog on the other end of the spectrum. It's very easy. So my dog is a medium-sized Dutch Shepherd. She's very excitable. She loves people. She loves dogs. She loves, well, she tolerates dogs. Um, if somebody comes over, she freaks, freaks, like freaks, like just her tail is just, you know, going crazy. She might be, you know, jumping off her feet just a little bit. She's excited. And so... I'm not going to tell everybody that comes over, you know, my wife's parents or my friends or my sister, or my mom, hey guys, don't elevate your voice to get her excited and make sure you don't do this and make sure you don't do that. I'm just saying like, okay, people are over. She's excited. I'm not going to try to go against the grain here. Just like with you, like you're not going to say, hey, I have a fearful dog and a bunch of people my dog doesn't know comes into my world. I'm not going to then say like, this is how you have to behave like a robot. Like that's not who you are. So I would manage the situation, you know, cause she'll, she'll come up to the coffee table and wipe everyone's glasses off the table. Cause she's excited. So I use my, yeah. I use my obedience, go to your place down, stay. And then I, I, I manage, but I manage only because it's not, it's not a realistic or even fair ask to say like, Hey, you can come over and say hi to grandpa or my sister that you're going to be excited about. But I want you to do it at a dull roar. I want you to slow it down and not like move your tail too fast to knock things off the table. So 
I guess that's my point is you have to take a little bit more control. And I think by amping up your obedience, doing some off-leash work, doing some things that can really help you uh, progress in your training would be the most helpful. You could do your desensitization if your friends are like, oh, I love dogs, I'd love yeah. to help. Cool. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to put my dog on a leash. I'm going to walk around. I want you to lean down and pick up a pen and lean back up. And then you would pay the dog when we reacted nicely. And you would do these constant uh, picture changes. Like we would do it at my facilities. We get a dog in that's fearful. Say they're fearful of things they don't know. Well, we'd go up to the garage door. We'd hit the up button. The garage door would start moving. The dog would get a little fearful. We'd close it. We'd pay the dog. Um, we would, you know, there's, so there's all these desensitization patterns, but going back to what you were saying is, is it worth it? Is it something we can do? It is. But the only problem with that is, is you have to then rely on the people around you, maid, chefs, friends, colleagues, neighbors, people you don't know in order for that to happen. And sometimes it's easier to just keep, keep it in your own bubble because then you know, you're a hundred percent successful. Yeah, can I ask you know a stupid? Que- I mean, it's a, a question around that. Like in, it's the same in resuscitation, but it's also obviously in a, like the restaurant scenario, right? Someone you know leans down, you know against you know you know the the, the direction or, or they ask, dog launches at her. How do you? What's now the appropriate way to correct the dog in that moment? Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just gonna. My wife just came home, so I'm just gonna put you on speaker here, so you can. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah, can you say something? Yes, um, yes. Check mic. Hello. It should not come out of here. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's. If you have a dog that is, it's the same thing that service dog owners deal with all the time. They have like the, again, it's the same exact thing on the other end of the spectrum. They have a dog that was for generations genetically wired to be this happy, friendly, um, environmentally sound dog that is very kind and very sweet and very focused at, on their job and people will go up and be like, can I pet your dog? And and this isn't a dog that would ever bark or lunge or growl or snap. It would probably love to be pet. But we as dog owners have to advocate for those scenarios. So there's two things, right? There's We don't go into these environments where we could potentially fail. And I know that that's, it's tough because you can't change the world, unfortunately. I've been trying for years. I probably will until I die, you know, just trying to educate people. You can't, so you, so my point is, is you can't go outside and say, oh, this, this person never should I reach down and touch my dog or this person never, you know, and they didn't listen. It's just going to happen, unfortunately. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful about like, oh, this is a really busy crowded area. You're kind of like looking around, you see a bunch of young kids. You're like, okay, maybe we should go somewhere else. Um, so, so in situations, my point is, is even if you look directly at this person's face and said, Hey, my dog's not friendly, please don't pet my dog. They may still reach out to try to pet your dog, unfortunately. 
So there's only so much that you can do. So then you kind of go down the route of potentially muzzle training, um, which will keep your dog safe. The muzzle is to keep your dog safe because people don't listen. There's that. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing you could do. What else could you ask for? If somebody says, can I please pet your dog? And you say, oh no, I'm sorry, he's in training. And they'd say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, there's, I mean, that's what I'm saying to you is there's not much else you can do as a dog owner other than physically. And I've had to do this with clients, dogs. I've had to physically remove people from situations. I'm like, I grab their arm. I grab their hand. I'm like, no, they just don't get it. So, but again, you can't beat yourself up over. That's what I'm saying is the public. What do you, what do you do with the dog in that moment then? Well, I I use a lot of set the dog up for failure now. Yeah, I use a lot of body. Yeah, yeah, I use a lot of body blocking. So if I see somebody that's interested in the dog, or somebody comes up to chat, or somebody comes up to ask for directions or whatever, I just put the dog behind me and I body block. I make it really clear that this dog is not for them. And, you know, cause there's certain people, right. That go out and they're, they're just like letting their dog go up to people, right. That's not you guys. So when somebody comes up, you make it a very cold environment for them to access your dog. You just take your left hand, you put your dog behind you, you step in front. They say, Oh, I saw your dog. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really, you know, he's really fearful. He's, he's in training right now. He's, he's, he can't meet anybody. And then you move on and and that's it. I mean, other than <clears throat> the other thing that really does help is muzzle conditioning your dog because A, if God forbid, you know, something happened that you weren't paying attention to or something happened that you couldn't control or whatever, it obviously will um, help. But at the same time, typically dogs with muzzles don't get approached. So again, I know that you guys live in a different country and I don't know how that's looked at or whatever, but I mean, muzzle conditioning your dog just to put this basket on their face when they go out in public to keep them safe is a great opportunity. Some people will look at it as like, oh, that this is going to make my dog aggressive. This is going to make my dog look mean. And it's not. The, the, actually, the muzzle is invented to keep your dog safe because people don't listen. And if you want to go out and enjoy your dog in the public place to make them better, to make them more confident, to get to get association desensitization to reality so they can feel like they belong and you can enjoy your dog, put, putting that muzzle on them, it sets you up for 100% success because it limits the amount of people that try to come up and pet your dog. And it also, God forbid, something did happen you're good. You know, if somebody didn't listen or you were holding the door or whatever. Um, so that's the other thing that you could do. It just, you, it just takes some time to muzzle condition the dog because it's obviously a basket on their face that they don't typically have. And so you have to spend a couple of weeks saying, Hey, this is good. This is good. And then when they put it on, they're like, yeah, no, no, no worries. Yeah. And, and so just to come back to the, you know, building up on that, what one like if we have a situation like when a dog launches at something, right? I, I get now like the whole I totally appreciate like the, uh, the 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 concept of like it's it's the setting him up for success, controlling the environment, um, and the obedience work. When you now look into like you know desensitization and you know this situation as well, like you know you wanna you wanna you wanna um, you wanna reward for good behavior what's from a sequencing perspective right what's you know correcting bad behavior let's say he launches at something like you know the first reaction is always just to pull him away 
for safety, you know, reasons so he doesn't mm-hmm. do anything. Like, but what do you now, now do in, you know, because you talk a lot about like, you know, timing is super important at the essence. What do you do in the like 0.5 seconds after you've pulled him away uh, and, you know, mitigated any, you know, safety to like, how do you deal with that now? Like, you know, toilet training example, right? You say like no, and then you just walk him out and, 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 you know, wait until he relieves himself outside and then you reward him, you know, for that. And that mm-hmm. has helped, you know, a lot. How, how do you do this? You know, because you don't want to make it worse either mm-hmm. in that moment. But how, how, how would, how would that work? Well, in you, ideal scenario? yeah, you'd, in an ideal scenario, you would, you would be watching to make sure that it doesn't get to that point. So yeah. you, so I, you, I get all of that. <laughs> Worst case scenario, it has yeah. everything has failed. Well, we still need you know in the one percent a toolbox. Well, once the dog um, once the dog lunges, you you have to correct the dog with whatever you're using for training tools. So that's that's up yeah. that's up to you and whatever you're using. You just have to use something that that is effective. But again, like the way that I set dogs up in scenarios is it's very unlikely that they would because I'm watching for any type of reaction. Um, so, uh, you know, I know that I, you said that you know what, you know, how to do that. But, it, you know, for me, it's it's really once the dog does make that decision. So, so if I'm working on leash reactivity with a dog towards a person and the dog, I'm doing all my obedience, I'm doing all the right things, I'm waiting, I'm kind of using my peripherals to see the dog, the dog reacts, I correct the dog, I say, leave it, the dog stops, good, leave it, and then I move on. So using operant conditioning and um, teaching the dog what's appropriate and what's not via your communication tools. So um, that's whatever you're enforcing things with is how you would handle that. Yeah. And can I transition to just one other, you know, topic? I'm already learning late for another call, but I've told them, you know, 10 minutes. If that's okay for you to continue as well, because we started a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, One... That's not clear to me. One other question, like it's now with other dogs, right? Um, it's a, it's a really you know tr- tricky one. I mean, in, in the dog, you know, in the in daycare, he's in a really you know great hands. The handlers there, you know, they're super awesome, and you know he's super happy there and everything else. Also, you know, sometimes like you know, it's you said something about like you know the freedoms you know that that the dog has, right? He's some dogs that you already know that he's going to be super happy with this and we meet them and there's just them and him and them, you know, they're going to have a blast for 10, 15 minutes. And you just, you know, you see how happy the dog is, right? And you just don't want to rob your dog from being a dog and doing dog things. Yep. And now it, become, it comes to like the nine, you know, out of 10 dogs, you know, that he, or the, the one out of 10 dogs that he doesn't, you know, immediately get along with, right? And you can already sense that like he doesn't want to be approached by the dog and you can you know you see that the dog tells him that he tells the dog off like he starts growling he starts you know you see the warning signs and everything else in that moment right do i remove the dog from that and just try to avoid those two dogs meeting you know as a whole do i put them you know on the other side of the fence uh, or do i tell the dog or tell him no, he shouldn't be growling at this dog, you know, because it's unaccepted behavior. So it's a little bit, I, I just don't know what mm-hmm. the philosophy around this would be. Well, if it were my dog, it's, it's, 
it's it's management like if i if i went to a park and my dog knew a dog and they were going to run around and have a good time and have the best time of their life and then another dog came in and i'm like yeah my dog's not going to like this dog i would recall my dog and leave yeah it's not worth it what's the yeah. point you know there's there's no point because then when something happens you're like oh i knew it like, yeah, you knew it. So, but you did it anyway. Yeah. So it's one of those, it's just one of those things in in the society that we live in that we have to just bite the bullet and understand that it sucks that we have to remove our dog from um, a situation or an environment that they're enjoying themselves in. But the alternative, once this thing enters the uh, environment, it changes. That's when you change. So you have to evolve. You know, it's like, as you're sitting down and you're eating a meal and somebody puts something in front of you that you don't like, and you're like, well, eat it because you're like, I don't, I don't like, okay, then take it away. Don't eat it. Get it out of here. Don't, it's gone. Get it off the table, you know? So it's the same thing with dogs is if you're like, oh, we love this. This is my favorite. We're having a good time. And then something, something enters the ecosystem. You have to, you, cause you can't, that's just what I'm saying earlier is you can't control. Oh, can you just go to the other park? My dog's not going to like your dog. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, because then you get 10 people right behind that dog that you have to do that to. It's not realistic. So you just have to pick your battles and set your dog up for success and 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 put them into situations that uh, you know they're going to be successful in. But furthermore, I think as a dog owner's perspective, just know that that is that is normal. Like that's not yeah. like like I said. I think the biggest thing is is it's, it's an inconvenience. Oh man, we got to leave the park, but at least he got to run around for ten fifteen minutes. But yeah, yeah. Do you have any last questions? Yes, I just want to know if he ever going to stop biting people. Like, you know, like, just because he's so cute, but he has this reactive behavior. Is that something that, besides all these things, is something that eventually he will be, like, cute? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. cute already. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he He could, but what we were talking about before is him going after and nipping people is... the only way that that's going to decrease is if that person that he's nipping and going after wants to spend the time with the dog to get to know the dog, which again, we were talking about the maid is busy. She doesn't have time for that. Your colleagues, when they come in, help you prep for stuff. They don't necessarily have, they're not there for that. They don't have time for that. So it's just like this, you know, Mm -hmm. like with us, we don't love every single person that we see. Some people do, but you know what I mean? It's, it's something that you have to develop a relationship with. Think about it. Like we don't, we don't go out and hug and kiss every single person that we see. We only hug and we get close and we we talk to people that we feel really comfortable with. And it takes time to develop that relationship to get to that more personal level. And it's the same thing with – this is certain dogs because we were saying that he was born on the streets. He didn't you know, really have a lot of socialization. So you can get certain dogs that are like kissing everybody's face no matter who they are. And I think that that's the only frustrating thing is we're thinking, well, some dogs can do it. But he's just not that dog. And so he will stop biting certain people. But you guys have to like go through the management tools to let him know. Like I would, you know, if that maid came over, I'd be walking around with his leash and his training collar. And anytime that he felt uncomfortable and he makes a good decision, yes, I would pay him. And anytime that he moved forward and asserted himself, I would just correct him for that and say, hey, that's inappropriate. So he learns these things right now. It's kind of just 
it's very black and white. He's either going after this person or he's in the other room. And I think if you put him on the leash and help blend him towards these things and reward him and move him out and then reward him and then move him out, he'll go, oh, not so bad. But again, if that person turns around and goes, hey, buddy, boom. And you're like, shit, because it's not his fault and it's not really their fault. You know, it's kind of your fault because you're like, ah, I put him in that situation. So it's a tough, it's tough because it's not everything, every way he's reacting is, is warranted. Like he, he's a feral dog. I mean, he's not going to jump in people's arms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Tom, you know, really appreciate, you know, your time, you know, you've helped a lot because it's like, you know, as I said at, at the beginning, right, you know, a lot of the things, but you just start doubting yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hearing it from someone else and especially, you know, for you, you know, hearing it from someone else, it, it, it just, again, it puts you on the right path where you know you're going to do the right work. And, and, and yeah, it's, uh, I've always said it, like it's, it's on us, right? If we, mm-hmm. you know, we set him up for failure or, or we don't, and you, you just get too confident sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's been, you know, okay, you know, in, in all those situations. And when we are out and we go hiking with our friends and he's off leash and, he's, you know, we, we spoil the dogs yep. and, you know, six people that he doesn't know. And then you, you, you just, you are, like too confident with that situation and then you just have a setback where you come home and you just nip someone out of nowhere yep. without the warning sign and no warning sign yeah and and then you're just like you, you get you, you get tense yourself at times and we went for a walk today you know together and someone just walked past and didn't without you know not no no just like passing us and, and just walking up and like and just bowing down and without even asking just trying to touch the dog and you just get no 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 and you get like almost a heart attack in that moment because you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. And, and yeah. Yeah. You, just... you also recommend that we put uh, like this patch that says do not, because really he's really cute, like uh, from a dog point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. To put up, yeah. I put a patch that said do not pet. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. It goes straight yeah. It helps. Some people just don't see it or they don't read it. So it, it definitely helps. But again, just like going back to what you were saying is if you see that person, you know, just slow down and wait for them and, and just, just be proactive and, um, and, and, you know, just, just execution is important. Your handling and the way that you handle the dog is, is important. You know, like you have to make sure that you're doing that. It's like, you know, you being a chef, if you get all the ingredients and you put it there, it's not going to cook itself. You, the, the artistry and the experience and the skillfulness comes in with the chefing part of cooking these things and preparing these things and removing them from heat and adding this and adding that. That's what you have to do with your dog is you have to understand that you have the dog, you have the tools, you have the people. And then now you have to, you know, master that movement and and figure out what's going to be successful. So. Yeah. Awesome. Hey Tom, really appreciate it. Okay guys. You know, for time, you know, it helps us a lot. You have a great day. You too. Ciao. Thank you. Ciao. Ciao. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. This comes from Mrs. Arco. 
redirecting and resource card have been uh, five star review. Thank you so much. Have been binging the show on my commute from work lately. Great stuff. We have a two year old hound mix that we have two main difficulties with. He gets worked up to the point of redirecting while he's on the neighborhood. We now muzzle him, create distance and walk him outside the neighborhood, which seems to help, but we wanted to see if there's any other recommendations. The more challenging issue is resource guarding, not around food, but uh, other items. He steals socks, dryer sheets, etc. I also note that he's given, he's not given, he's, he isn't good with giving up a toy with fetch, but we'll drop it and go after it again. For the stolen objects, we try to eliminate those situations from happening in the beginning, but things happen. So we are particularly worried about the resource guarding and planning to have kids soon. So thinking about practice, drop it. So Melanie, I would be, thank you for the review. First of all, I would be working on the leave it with some sort of food. So creating some sort of tangible, hey, I got something for you. Uh, traditionally it's not a good way to teach any dog out or drop, but because you're working with resource guarding issues, if you get something, I would just say, Hey buddy, drop, but I would work on the drop, uh, alternatively. So take a piece of food, put it in your hand, let him nibble it, and then maybe work on leave it. And then he recluses himself. And then you can pay the dog gets a little bit more technical with that and potentially dangerous, which is, this is one of those questions for anybody out there. Resource guarding is the hardest question to ever, ever answer via text on a phone because it can be potentially very dangerous for you to be working on this. I have no idea. But um, if you're working on redirection redirection issues, uh, honestly, my Tom Davis 280 pager that I, that I have, my e-collar works really, really nice for that. So it's just a vibrate. Um, so it, what it and I have hundreds of videos on this. I would encourage you, Melanie, to go check out my YouTube channel. We have a lot of dogs that go through this redirection thing, and we work on this all the time with my e-collar. So we just use the pager. And with the pager, what it does is it's a vibrate. So it's not a confrontational thing between you and the dog, which is really helpful because oftentimes the redirection is coming from frustration. So the dog sees something that they get frustrated with, they build, and then we correct them physically. And it's kind of like a slap in the face. They get pissed and then they redirect on you. So typically what I do is instead of saying, leave it and then physically correcting the dog, I will then say, leave it and use the pager. However, uh, it's important for you to also make sure you're breaking the dog's behavior down and using countering obedience instead of just correcting it as well. Um, that's always the objective to try to say, hey, let's make a better decision. We have a dog named Henry. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is actually going to come out and I'm not sure when that video is going to come out, but it's going to come out in the next three weeks. It's with a small little terrier that it's my worst um, air quotes bite I've gotten in my career history of working with dogs only because I wasn't expecting it. It was my fault. Didn't break skin, but, uh, left a pretty big bruise on my leg. And so this little dog, super reactive. And, um, we just forgot to tell me that he, Oh, also he redirects. So he, we brought him into the back room. He went crazy after this other dog and I kind of gauged it. And I said, okay, this is too much. We're going to put the other dog away. And I started to just walk away with him and he came and he nailed my leg. And, um, again, small little dog and just let my guard down. And it was the worst one I've ever gotten. So that video, but we also worked on so many different things and reactivity and, um, also redirection. So when that comes out, that's going to be really helpful for you, Melanie. All right, we're getting on to the next one. All right, the next one comes from Juno ML. Help with confusing behavior. Five-star review, thank you. Hi, Tom. First of all, thank you so much for all that you do. You truly break down your content in a way that is very accessible to people 
and it's been an incredible blessing to help raise my dog. My question has to do with the recent behavior I noticed my dog doing. I will sometimes send my dog Juno to spend the day with my dad while I'm at work. He has a house with a yard as well as another dog for Juno to play with. Juno is eight months old and the other dog is seven years old. We have recently noticed that Juno will pee on the other dog's things, such as a blanket or beds. We don't think it's because he has a potty. Since this sometimes happens right after Juno come back with a potty break, I'm wondering what exactly behavior this is. Um, it's question. It's conversational, actually, because if your dog is fixed, it's probably just him trying to mark other things um, of saying like, hey, this is mine. Dogs are... They can be very, they can claim a lot of things. Um, so it could be that. Um, if your dog is intact, that's definitely what it is. Uh, dogs typically just, I mean, think about their animals. So they're like, hey, this is mine. This is mine. So anything that smells like another dog, your dog will try to claim it. Say, hey, this is mine now. So it really just depends on if your dog's intact or not. If your dog isn't fixed, that's exactly what it is. If your dog is fixed, it could be because um, it could be the same reason. Um, but it's typically, I would say, just a it's a common like marking thing. Dog, they're animals, so they just mark all not all, but most animals mark um, their territory. And so that's what that probably is. And if it's something that you want to like punish and correct, obviously like verbally, like leave it, no, using the leash. Because a lot of times dogs, like it's interesting because dogs won't think it's peeing. So they're like, they'll look at you and mark something and be like, this isn't peeing, this is marking. Like they have, even though they're potty trained, they have no no idea that that's wrong. Like they'll go outside and know that it's proper for them to pee outside. But when they're marking, it's a completely different mindset for them. Like they're not saying like, oh, I got to pee and they go. They're saying like, hey, I'm marking this. This is mine. So behaviorally, like it's completely different. And you'll notice that because dogs will look at you directly in the face after being trained for potty training and pee on something that they think is theirs or they want it to be theirs. And so you know, verbally hollering at them. Um, you could do a lot of different things with the remote collar with it. Um, but ideally it's just catching them when they do it and try to correct it when it happens. All right. And then we have two one star reviews and I'm going to read these to you guys just because, I mean, I think it's fair to read also what people don't like me for, I guess. First one comes from Trishy something one star review. Um, I listened to hear Tom bash and random positive reinforcement trainers. I get mad, stop listening and then come back for more another day. I'm that reactive. This doesn't make any sense. I'm that reactive dog, but I don't have my Tom Davis e collar on and the punishment of being bashed isn't working to get me to stop. Don't know what that means. I'm going to read that again. I'm a reactive dog, but I have my Tom Davis e. I don't have my Tom Davis e dog tree e collar on. And the punishment of being bashed isn't working to get me to stop. So I don't know what that means. Um, sounds like somebody's, um, I don't know. But one thing I will say is I honestly think, I I mean, two year ago, Tom, definitely five year ago, Tom would bash and just, uh, just because I was young and I was frustrated and I was like, wake up or like, hey, uh, now I'm not like that. I just I've under I've built a community and a platform that the people who are here understand what we're doing, and I'm not interested in winning an argument. I'm interested in making a difference. 
And so I don't do that. I used to because I would use my voice to try to defend and fight. And now I don't. I just tried to help. I'm not trying to win anything here. But I will say that I think oftentimes what ends up happening is, is the first sentence out of my client's mouth is their previous experience with another trainer. And I typically just nod and say, okay, I don't get into it too much. You will find me um, in the middle or later into the podcast, just explain the difference between what positive reinforcement is by definition and what positive punishment is by definition. Um, and I think if if that is bashing, then um, I'm a basher, I guess. But um, if you've noticed in the last couple years, uh, specifically, I've I've you know been proud of myself for maturing and trying to rise above everything. Um, because again, uh, there's 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 no benefit to trying to prove any points and try to be right. I'm just trying to at scale make a difference with dog owners who really want to help. And so, um, yeah, it sounds like you come to my podcast and listen to me and then get mad and then you have a reactive dog, but you don't have my e-collar and the punishment of being bashed isn't working to get me to stop, stop being react. I don't know. I don't know what this means. Um, but anyway, so that's a one star review of that. Uh, again, I, I respect everyone's opinions and, um, I, I, also have to give context because every doesn't matter if it's a five-star review or a one-star review. I always try to give context to certain things where it's warranted, but I feel like I don't really bash much, but I do feel like the majority of my clients, if you listen to them on my podcast and in person, I always talk like, you know, I always need to know what type of training you've done to see where they're at. And eight times out of 10, they will go over their training experience before and what has worked for them and what has hasn't. And I kind of nod my head and I go, okay, I I understand. Um, And that's it. So there's that. Next one, one star review, not a dog trainer, Uh, really narrow set of techniques. Don't be fooled. JJ Voronov. So don't be fooled. Um, Okay. I got nothing on that. Um, next one, love the podcast, five-star review, PW Grim 3119 I was wondering what you think about teaching a new world for teaching a new word for a command that the dog already knows. Is this confusing for the dogs and how would you go about doing it? Um, you, I've done it. I'll teach you how I've done it. I've done it with Lakota. So I started with German and then I switched to English and then I switched to French commands. Um, if you have a dog that is very intelligent, it's really easy. I taught her in about two days. Um, how to do French commands out of German. And what I did is I just did like her down is plats and the down for French is couché. So I would just go plats, she, plats, couché, plats, couché, plats, couché, or assi is sit for French and sits for German. So I said sits, assi, and I would just add in the command and then I would take away the German and she connected them. But again, um, not every dog is going to be able to do that. Lakota is a uh, gem of a learner, and so it's really easy for her to capture new stuff. So, all right, we'll do one more. Jackson Will Banks, five star review. Hey, Tom, I bought my dog a Herm Springer and tried it on her, and she seems like she was sensitive to it. And then I got the star mark, and she was also sensitive. So I have no idea what to try. Um, plastic pinch uh, are usually pretty good um i don't understand i guess the context of what sensitive means your your dog should be sensitive to it that's the point 
Um, you want your dog to yield to that pressure. You want your dog to look at you and go, oh, am I paying attention? Oh, should I be paying attention? Oh, are you talking to me? Oh, do you have something to say, owner? So that's actually the goal. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, uh, what that means, but um, you can switch the lowest form of, of, of action you could give a dog is probably the martingale and then the slip and then the plastic pinch and then the prong collar. Certain dogs need certain things because certain dogs have different sensitivity levels. Um, so yeah, I, I think you should just be using these things to help communicate what you want. Again, we're not slapping collars on to just do it. Uh, we're trying to teach the dog certain things. So I think that that's important to note. Um, so yeah, so that's my answer. All right, cool. we got a bunch more, uh, coming up. So thank you guys so much for the love and support on this podcast. I cannot wait for you guys um, to continue to listen to all the fun stuff we got going on for, for next year. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.